Dharam. Ma's uh, supposed to be here, so I think she should be on her way. In the meantime, you have any questions? Papaji, uh, so if so I'm considering buying a used car, and um, if I find one that I really like, but it has leather seats, um, is it enough to cover them with some type of cotton cloth, or is it better just to not purchase that car? Ideally, of course, it's it's not good to purchase it, but you know, again, economics come into the picture, and the only other thing is it would be good to yes put some sort of a ideally a woolen uh, asan or something at least where you sit, uh, and you know, kind of. Uh, reduce the negative impact to, to uh, some degree. Uh, but ideally, if you can avoid it, that's the best situation. Thank you. Uh, Babaji, I have a question. Um, there are many people in the general public who, when they hear the word yoga, they think of body postures of hatha yoga, and that comprises the yoga world to them. How would you explain true yoga to someone like that? Well, again, the, the word yoga at the very root is derived from the Sanskrit word yuj, which is you know to to unite. Um, the typical example used is the plow and mother earth being plowed, so that the field can then be sowed and the fruit be obtained. So that is the truth or the absolute goal of yoga is to take the soul back to its creator, to free the soul from the cycle of life and death. Hatha yoga, body postures is just a part of that process, aiding yoga. So we have hatha yoga, we have mantra yoga, we have lai yoga, we have kundalini yoga. So they are all yogas within that. So they they are steps that lead to that state and experience of union. Again, yoga, as you all know, says eight limbs. Yam, niyam, asan, pranaham, pratyar, dharna, dhyana, and samadhi. So, yam and niyam are the basic, you know, uh, guidelines of uh, behavior and lifestyle of discipline, so on and so forth, which makes the mind stable along with those roots of uh, thinking, of acceptance, of understanding, and so on and so forth, then comes Hatha Yoga. So, postures is just the third step of yoga. It is just dealing with the physical body. And of course, yoga, even at that level, is still not dealing with just the body, but an, an entire balance of the pranas of the mind and with all that is to 
achieve a state of mind which is in equilibrium and balance which then allows the mind to remain stable, steady and focused. So, Hatyaka postures is, is just a very, very basic step to enable the person to use the physical body to practice the true depth and goal of yoga which is of course dharana, dhyana and samadhi to concentrate, to meditate and to attain samadhi that state of awareness of who am I really that is sat, chit and ananda I am the absolute truth I am the absolute consciousness and that state of bliss so that is true or complete yoga and nowadays we have all these people who want to meditate but they don't want the spiritual part of meditation. And to me that sounds like removing the soul from the human person. What's the mind and the senses doing? Whatever we are able to achieve, however brilliant it may be, however sophisticated it may be through technological gains, we or some are still missing the boat in that what is the source of all that energy. The mind is just a projection of this, the energy. So, but we have trained ourselves so, so, so much externally that we are just living, so to say, in the realm of the body and mind. And yes, we talk about the spirit, but we are not really doing anything to, to, to go to the roots of who we really are. And again, more and more, we just are getting dependent on technology, on gadgets, rather than being training, training ourselves to use the true energies which are within us, which are so wireless, so to say, to start with. But anyway, that's, that's actually nothing new. Humanity has always been that way for a greater part. And so, uh, as Vivekananda used to say that, spirituality begins where human intelligence ends. So, some people are unfortunately so stuck into that intellect that they cannot even step beyond that and they want a scientific explanation for anything and everything under the sun where the mind cannot even reach. But that is the state of affairs, you know. I have a question about the schedule. If it's the first time that we're taking BP apply, what is the recommended days to take it? Because it's um, like seven days, nine days. So what is the recommended amount? Well, the more the better, as the old saying goes, uh, particularly in spirituality. Um, once you you receive the mantras, of course, to practice it right away is a different, is a little challenging. But again, just that exposure, the ability, the opportunity to do that many practices, particularly here in mass presence or sankalpa, however it may be, whether it's physical or subtle, yet yeah, just that that benefit uh, to get in uh, right away in such a short. A period of time that that is the the key process. Again, we never know what's going to click in a moment. When your 
you know, karmas are at a point and the presence of the Guru is, is such a point where the two click and once that is gone, when that happens again is very, very difficult to say. So, uh, the more you uh, have the uh, ability and opportunity to, as it is said, grab the opportunities and expose yourselves, that is the best. So. Babaji, could you uh, say a little bit about the benefit of japa when you're not seated on your asana and doing it in a formal way? Does it burn karma? Is it a really good thing to do, or is it not so powerful? Well, the, the basic law, again, when you go to the roots of spiritual practices, is realization. And for that to happen naturally, the mind has to be 100% focused. And any activity, physical, will also make the mind unstable. So naturally you are not able to, to concentrate fully. You know, you are walking and repeating the mantra, it's beautiful and there's nothing wrong with that. It should be and, and can be done. But you're still alert with something else, you know, that you're not going to hit into another person, not you're not going to hit into a tree. So the, the japa is on the back burner, so to say, not on the front burner with full attention. So the maximum and complete benefit comes with sthir asana, steady asana, where you're stable, where there is no movement physically. And again, that's where hatha yoga comes in. It's training the body to remain steady for at least three hours with no movement. Sthir asana and sukhasana. So wherever you are sitting, you are stable and you are happy in that pose. Then, in the, under those circumstances, you are concentrating completely on the mantra or the object of concentration. So, the purpose of the mantra is liberation. That is the key. Why, even if it's a Lakshmi mantra, yes, you, you, you gain the Lakshmi, but then after the Lakshmi is gained, you reach that level of satisfaction or santosh. And once that satisfaction or santosh is there, then the mind will become sthira or stable. And then that sthira or stable mind is going to take you to the state of samadhi. So without the basics, the end cannot be reached, but you cannot be stuck at the basics. So the best way and, and the, the perfect way to practice is again on your asana, if you have an altar with the lamp or whatever, or those other factors that help, helped with the build-up of the energy and the benefit. But at the same time, the other benefit or requirement of japa is that the mind should constantly be dwelling into the mantra. When the mind is not occupied in any other function externally, as soon as the mind is idle or nothing that needs to be concentrated upon or there are many things that we do where there is a passive process going on in, in terms that, you know, when you are driving, you, you do things 
automatically because the, you have trained yourself to do things uh, uh, in that manner. Or when you are cooking, you know, yeah, of course, concentration is required so that you add the proper ingredients, maybe even at the right times. But still, if you have done it so much and it's a normal daily affair, there's not that necessity of the deep level of concentration. So the mantra can be carried on. The liberation process is also said to unfold when at the moment of death, God is remembered or the Guru Mantra is repeated. That does not happen without lifetime or lifetimes of practice. So constantly repeating the mantra you know, as much as you can and getting those numbers in so to say or again when you are walking around or doing other things, working in the garden, repeating the Guru Mantra that's training the mind to be constantly absorbed with the mantra. And if you have done that deeply enough and strong enough so that at some point in your life you will find that when the mind is idle, you don't have to think, oh, I'm not doing anything or my mind is idle. Let me now start repeating the mantra. So that means the mind is still lacking that level of depth or training. So practice in all situations will gradually train the mind so that as soon as it is, so to say, thoughtless, the mantra will spontaneously come up. So just as, you know, we are breathing all the time, but what we are not conscious of the process of breathing. Similarly, the mantra should become so intertwined that it is there, but it can be brought up to the consciousness, so to say, whenever the mind becomes idle. And so when that has been achieved, then, and it is, there's a very good chance that at the moment of death, the Guru Mantra will pop up. And if that happens, then the soul is automatically liberated. So, yes, sitting on your asana and doing as much as you can, but also at other times, moving around, repeating, but keeping the mind absorbed in the mantra is, is the key and powerful process. So that's important. So basic, the mantra should get so intertwined that wherever you, you project internally, externally, there is Ram. Not as as a is as a being or an incarnation, but as an uh, absolute reality of God's presence. Hi, I just wanted to share experience on Thanksgiving. We actually um, were heading up to Arnold to our cabin and we hit black ice and so our the car was going out of control and then uh, it looked like it was veering over to we were going over the edge and automatically after i realized i'm i kind of have no power over what's happening the mantra came very um calmly and it was just like um, repeating it very slowly like i had no idea what was going to happen but the sense of comfort that came over me from that just coming so naturally, because you, you don't know it'll happen if you're in a panic. And it was like not a panic. It was like this, whatever's happening is happening. 
and then we got um, the snow bank stopped us and we we're like at an angle but I just thought oh wow it was just beautiful to have had it ex have the experience of the mantra naturally coming and it just provided the sense of peace for me and my family so thank you I just wanted to share that it was kind of a beautiful Thanksgiving experience yeah, many 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 experiences like that you know people have had one that pops up again is a lot is from Kanta you know, a few years ago I think she her husband and her two kids they were actually I think Cape Cod or wherever they were in the area bathing in the swimming in the in the ocean there and uh, the weather was fine but all of a sudden, very quickly, things changed, and a huge storm came in. And I think they were in a in a in a not they were in a in a little sailboat or something, and that capsized. It just turned over, and of course, you know, they were all very very likely to to drown. And uh, they were in the water once the boat capsized, but. Uh, um, I don't know if her husband John was. I think yes, he had received initiation there. But naturally, he 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 was thinking about saving himself and saving his family. And of course, Kanta was also in in that. But but they found that Kanta was automatically repeating the Guru mantra. She had started repeating the Guru mantra, and of course, things changed and. They they were you know saved and and brought safely ashore, but uh, John could not understand how in that situation Kanta could start repeating the Guru mantra you know because you you know you you panicking for your own survival and then you know you're thinking of the survival of your near and dear ones, so his mind logically just couldn't. Uh, get to that thought process of how can in that situation someone think of you know of the mantra or whatever. Anyway, that incident passed, and a few years later, I'm sorry, yeah, you know, she they had just one son at the time, and the, the Kanta was uh, about to deliver the second child, and John was there, you know, in the delivery room with her. And apparently she needed a cesarean, and so he watched. You know, the the cut open her belly, and you know, pulled out the baby. And the vision of that, you know, life on one hand being brought out, and another person is uh, maybe uh, sedated, but. A dead body, so to say, in some sense. So with all the blood and the cutting open, and so he saw death in that, but life coming out of that. So the paradox of that that scene, so to say, he was repeating the mantra spontaneously, and you know he he was is never thought or prepared for that, but just something. In, in that experience triggered him to do the Guru Mantra. But that is, you know, again, that is indicating how tremendous that process of Shaktipat is and grace of the Guru is because definitely this guy had not repeated that many mantras in his lifetime to start repeating it spontaneously. Even in the Ramayana it is said 
and the yogis, the sages, they repeat the mantra for lifetimes, after lifetimes, yet at the time of death, it is very difficult to repeat the mantra. And so for disciples to be able to repeat it so easily without that level of practice is nothing but in the grace of the Guru. Of course, there is always the possibility that the soul has done practices in lifetimes. That's why they are here. That's why they have repeated. Uh, they have received the Shaktipad, received the mantra. So, you know, the, the background is there, so to say, but in this lifetime that practice is not there. So typically the grace of the Guru and the energy of Shaktipat does something that at least the Maya of this lifetime has been washed off so, so easily and so clearly that at least spontaneously the projection is coming through. So and again that is the, the greatness of uh, the lineage and again as is always said you don't repeat mantra from books. The mantra should be chetan from from the guru, from the lineage. Without that, it, it, it is again, as I said, the mind without the soul. Yes, it appears to be powerful, but there is no, no prana, no life in it. So, repeat the mantra. <laughs> So, Papaji, all these people who are doing, you know, mindfulness meditation, everybody's like learning it in the hospital, in their schools. It's just like so common now, at least in California. I don't know if everywhere. Um, are they? Is that going to ultimately lead people to a spiritual practice? Well, I'm, I'm, just... yeah, I'm, 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 they are definitely getting something out of it. If you go to the list of why they are doing it naturally, it is for one of the side benefits not the ultimate benefit but you know there are people there who while doing it something depending upon their sanskaras will click and then hopefully they will lead on to something else my only uh, uh, so to say thought is that whoever is teaching such people shouldn't hide the beauty or the reality of the, the goal. If that person doesn't want to deal with it or doesn't want to associate it at, at that time, that's fine. But at least the message should be conveyed that, well, you know, you, again, you, you're removing the true essence of what you, you are trying to get. And if that was added in, the, maybe the benefit of what they are seeking, even if it is minuscule, could change tremendously because it's a soul-to-soul -soul connection. The soul-to-mind is just a, it's a small part of the process. So you cannot remove the heart of the thing and then hope to get the complete benefit. So the benefit will come as, for example, when Mahesh Yogi introduced GM, you know what it became? Stress management. He, he wasn't talking. He was talking the very basic American mind language. And so he presented in a way which was very, very appealing and acceptable. Yes, and thousands and thousands, of course, went into it. A few amongst them said, uh-uh, there is more to it than, than what it's just stress management. And those people, you know, sought out more, of course. So it, it, it uh, remained, so to say, on, on the 
past practices or level and, and something triggered. But I think if it was said, well, okay, you may seek this, but you know, you want to get something better, then, you know, this is how it should be uh, looked upon at least or researched or dealt with and so on and so forth. So at least the mind has a pinhole opening somewhere and hope that that pinhole opening may be sufficient at the subtle level to bring in the entire, you know, depth of what spirituality is all about. But when it is completely shut off and the receiver's mind is not even given the speck or hope of opening, then there is a huge loss, so to say, and, and a great loss to humanity per se. So we cannot present a beautiful science in a restricted way. That's why Guruji was very open. You cannot change thousands of years of practices in, in such a way that it is diluted to such an effect that yeah, although the culture accepts us in a mental way, they are not gaining anything. As it is with the true practices, it takes lifetimes and lifetimes. So, in, in order for the mind to, to keep it or make it, make it acceptable, you say, okay, you need not do this, you need not do this, you need not do this, it's okay if you do this, it's okay if you do this, but do something. In a way, yes, it's okay, but at the same time, it's an injustice because that 10 million lifetimes is going to take 20 million lifetimes for the soul to reach its goal. So there is a tremendous loss in that fact. But if you remain firm, this is it, this is how you do it. And the basics of life don't change, you know, they remain as they are. And so if that is presented and then of course it is up to the individual to accept or reject or do whatever, how they feel intuitively and internally, that's a different story. But at least it should be to, you know, present it, so to say, brought out. But, you know, as it is said, anything in any form is always beneficial. Like Ram's name is said, however it is repeated, with anger, with lust, with greed, with love, with hate, whatever may be the case, whether you're, you know, sleeping, whether you're dreaming, whatever it is, Ram, is always liberating, no matter how it is thought about, how it is repeated. So, anyway, let's do the prayer for world peace. We need a lot of that. A lot of that is going to be required heavily in the coming, you know, year or months, whatever. So, focus on that. And that again is the P. Your practices, your repetition of the Ram Mantra puts out energy which impacts the minds or hearts of some people. The heart needs to change. The mind is a big block. But if you hit the heart, hopefully the mind will begin to realize something and change. Sarave Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Santu Niramaya Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Makaschid Dukhabhag Bhavet Makaschid Dukhabhag Bhavet Om 
शांति 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 श्री रामचंद्र भगवान की जय सदगुरु देव की